Coach Edelstein here, your celeb expert and your celeb savant. Celeb Savant is a weekly entertainment show. We have long-form career retrospective type interviews with celebrities, singers, actors, and industry experts. Young Close is a pop singer-songwriter who has released seven albums and two EPs. He's based in New York City and was raised in Kenya, South Africa, Germany, and Northeast Ohio. He has performed as an actor and singer in touring companies of Broadway musicals, including Jesus Christ Superstar, Jekyll and Hyde, and The Who's Tommy, as well as made-for-TV movies, voiceovers, and commercials. Jan has collaborated and worked with a wide range of artists, including Pat Penatar, John Oates of Hall & Oates, Suzanne Vega, Paula Cole, Roseanne Cash, amongst many others. Up next on Slebsvant, we've got Jan Close. Where do we find you in the world? How are you doing and what's happening in your life? Well, I'm doing great. Thank you. Um, Barrett, out. Yeah, I'm, yeah. Uh, I'm home. I'm at my apartment in New York City. I just got back from South Africa and then I was out again. I'm, I'm, I'm in the middle of a tour for, the, for my new album, Surrender. So I've been basically traveling now for five weeks, about almost six weeks now. Mm-hmm. So it's been, you know, pretty hectic. And, um, you know, every day that goes by that I don't get ill, <laughs> I'm, I'm grateful. You know? So rather say you're staying healthy. Let's put it that I'm way. I'm staying healthy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm doing all right. You know, it's, it's really, um, it's been, it's been really great. You know, I have to say it's been a really wonderful experience touring with this, with the new album. Yeah. So we're going to get into the new album a little bit later, but as a starting point, let's rewind all the way back. So, your yeah. musical journey in the musical and entertainment world. When did you get motivated, invigorated to start at what age? And let's jump through the years uh, through your uh, entertainment industry journey. Sure. You know, it's been a, it's been a very, um, I suppose, uh, dramatic in some, in some ways. I, I was born in Germany and uh, we lived in, in Kenya and in South Africa uh, until I was 11. Okay. The journey was very, was, there was a lot of travel, you know. I mean, we, we basically, we started traveling when we were kids. It was at, at a, it was at a very, very young age. I went to an English nursery in, in Nairobi. My brother was actually born in Nairobi. And then we lived in Johannesburg and I attended grade school there mm-hmm. uh, at the German school, at the Deutsche Schule. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, my, then my parents divorced there and my sister, uh, I have a half sister who was born in Johannesburg. So out of the three kids, I'm the only one born in Germany, but everyone else is born in Africa. Okay. I'm always kind of jealous. You know, I was like, I always wanted to say, look, I, I was born in Africa, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> that was always something like, I was like, mm, that would be cool. So yeah, long story short. And then I lived in Germany as a teenager. The the music thing really was something that was always there, you know. I mean, I think I remember being eight and telling my grandmother I want to be a singer, mm-hmm. you know. After after listening to American rock, American top forty radio, mm-hmm. you know, British rock, and I just like you know, I I was that kid that had a that was sitting in front of the radio with the that with the tape. Yeah, and I was I was uh, like recording every song that I I liked, you know, and uh, that's when that's when they, you had the tape players on on yeah, radios. Yeah. Sorry, just to interrupt you. While I'm giggling, is because I was exactly the same. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I loved that. I was yeah, yeah. it was one, you know, and I made mixtapes and created like, imaginary radio shows. And I mean, I was you know when I was like eight, yeah, you yeah. know. <laughs> 
It was great. Unless the DJ cut the song in the beginning or the end and you only got half of it. So that sometimes happened. <laughs> totally. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That always upset me. You know, when they would finish the song, I'd be like, damn, I didn't get the whole song. Now I'm going to have to, you know, buy it. You know, I, I didn't, there wasn't that kind of support at home. You know, mm-hmm. I didn't have a family that said, oh, music. Oh, what a great idea. Here, you know, here's a drum kit. Because I remember like saying, you know, I want to learn how to play the drums. Like we would see so many, I mean, African musicians playing, dancing, performing. And that was like magic for me. It was like magic watching the, watching people dance and move and play these instruments. Mm-hmm. And um, so I was like, I want to do that. You know, I that looks great. They're having so much fun. These people look so happy when they're doing this. But of course, you know, my more conservative German upbringing, they equated that with being poor. And for a while I was, you know, I mean, there's been some hard times, but uh, things have worked out eventually. But it took a long time, you know, I mean, took years and years of work. But getting back to the sort of timeline here, you know, so then we lived in in Germany as I lived in Germany as a teen Mm -hmm. in Hamburg which was a great town to live in and grow up in. Then I I became an exchange student. I wanted I did an exchange student program in the US through American Field Service and landed in Cleveland, Ohio in the Midwest. You know, completely different once again, you know, Nairobi, Johannesburg, yeah. Hamburg, Cleveland. What, you know, it was like Siberia but not. <laughs> you know, it was bizarre and very different, but I mean, Cleveland has a very rich uh, musical history as well. Yeah. But I didn't really know much about it. You know, it was just a very typical Midwestern sort of quiet town, mm-hmm. kind of segregated then. I mean, this is 20 years ago, you know, yeah. but it still kind of is. But it's 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 actually gotten a lot better. Politically, the places that I've been in were always had always very, very different circumstances. Yeah. You know, I mean, when we left South Africa, apartheid was still existed. So it, it was it was very different, you know, coming back to Germany and then um, then living in America, where you kind of saw similar uh, political structures when it came to society. And then, you know, that was, but Cleveland was really sort of the door, you know, for me to go into music. Uh, the the family that hosted me when I said, oh, you know, I think I'd like to sing with the show choir. I think I want to buy a keyboard and teach myself how to play. They were like, yeah, go for it. What are you waiting for? It was, it was a release for me, you know, yeah. I was sort of released from a very conservative upbringing to a very liberal, uh, socially liberal, liberal anyway, mm. uh, environment, and uh, was able to start pursuing the dream. And uh, then I eventually uh, studied voice there in Cleveland with David Gooding. That was a great experience because I got to sing with the Cleveland Opera Chorus. You know, I sang f- in five operas with them. It was super educational. I sang with the Temple Choir. You know, I sang Jewish music. I, I sang liturgical music, Christian liturgical music. It was a, a really wide variety of mm. of music that I was exposed to, you know, at age 20. And then I moved to New York and I started auditioning for Broadway shows because I knew I could get work in that environment. Yeah. And got cast in the Who's Tommy and Jekyll and Hyde National Tour, the Broadway tour, um, Jesus Christ Superstar in Europe. And uh, and after that, I, I got serious about pursuing being a songwriter. And then I started making records. And then, well, as they say, the rest is history. But I slowly started building up that as a career. And uh, I mean, literally, we would, uh, my then bass player and I, we would tour as a duo in coffee shops. 
you know, and we would just play any gig that we could get our hands on. And um, and then the return to South Africa is kind of interesting as well, because what happened in 2015 sort of changed my life all over again. And I always promised myself, if I come back to South Africa, it will be through music. It has to be because I missed it dearly. You know, like I had very, very fond memories of my childhood and travel and just Africa in general. I mean, it's just like a hypnotic to be there. You know, for me, it was it was magic. I loved, I loved the, the, the country. I loved the, the culture, you know, the climate, everything. I mean, yeah. it was uh, wonderful. Even though, I mean, at the time I had no idea what kind of a bubble I was in, you know, when I was a boy, I did, yeah, yeah, I really yeah. had no clue, you know, until later when I realized, whoa, this was, this was, <laughs> this, there was a lot else. There was a lot going on. That, yes. That, you know, exa- I completely relate. You know what I mean? Said. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So, but but 2015 was kind of that was kind of that was magic you know because i was randomly contacted through my website by a journalist from the sunday times south africa sunday times mm-hmm. and it was a, a request for an interview that was like oh can you can you speak to being a traveling musician they had somehow found me and or you know heard about me or whatnot mm-hmm. said you would you want to do an interview about being a traveling musician here's the 10 questions would you send these back to me i said no problem i sent it the questions back, and it was like sort of <clears throat> random questions. Like, what do you do when you're in an airport on a layover? You know, yeah, like yeah. that kind. Of... <laughs> yeah, and you know, like it was it was cute. Anyway, so I sent the questions back, and then the article ran in the Sunday Times. And the day after that, I got an email from my favorite fourth grade teacher at the Deutsche Schule in Johannesburg at the yeah. German school. Who was then? Who was you know now retired? I just saw her again as well when I was in Johannesburg, and she said, "Hey, is this you? Is this that Jan?" And I was like, "Yes, it's that one." Traute, her name is Traute, Traute Riester, and she she said, "Oh, I you know this is so cool that you're doing this now that you have this life as a musician, and you know I mean she really was a great teacher. You know she would like uh, she just was like one of those teachers that kind of noticed that I was a little different than the other kids. Yeah, <laughs> you know." And and took the you know gave me a little bit of extra attention and I think she knew you know that things weren't always great at home, you know because there was a lot going on. You know we started like an email exchange and she she said, look, the Deutsche Schule is having a 125th anniversary concert. Why don't you sing at the concert? And I said, sure. You know, can they pay me? <laughs> <laughs> Do they have budget? I, you know, I was super interested and, and she put me in touch with someone at the school and we figured it out and it was a big concert and uh, it was the Richard Koch conducted National Symphony and it was three different orchestras and choirs from three different German schools, Pretoria, Windhoek, Johannesburg. And I sang two songs at the end. I was like a featured uh, soloist guest and I sang Toto's Africa yeah. and Adele's Skyfall. Okay. And which I still, which I still sing, you know, yeah. it's a great song. And, you know, it went over really well. It was, you know, there were like a couple of thousand people there. It was a big event, you know, like they made, the, it was a big to do and it was a great experience and they took really good care of me. And then I met my now agent in South Africa at the same time, Alyssa Conradi. And then she started booking me shows and, and, uh, you know, one thing led to another and I was invited to do a BMI writer's camp in Cape Town and met all these South African superstars who I, never heard of <laughs> yes and uh you know and they were i mean the talent pool there was just incredible and so i started writing songs with rj benjamin and 
James Stewart, uh, Karen Zoid, and uh, Tamara Day, and Zion, mm. and Chicana, and Amanda yes. Black, and, you know, all these people who are just incredibly talented individuals. And my favorite thing is songwriting. I love writing. I love collaborating. I love creating a great song. I'm like, I'm a big believer in the song. And so are these guys, you know. And I mean, I just saw Tamara. She sang with us at the Johannesburg show. And and uh, we have a single coming out in the fall. And, you know, I met other, I mean, DJ Kosher, I just wrote a song with him, you know, so yeah. I, I keep those ties up. And I just paid, played Splashy Fen for the first time, which was an amazing experience, and played in Cafe Rue again at, in Nordhook in, in, in the Cape. It just developed into this sort of, very naturally, I must say, you know, like none of it was really forced. It just kind of happened. And I said, okay, this is this is good, you know, and it ties in well to to my markets here in the U.S. that I'm playing and, and in Germany. So mm-hmm. it, it's really been a wonderful wonderful journey like very full circle let's go back to songwriting you mentioned you love writing from zero to a three to four minute song what is that creative process for you is it easy every time do you always collaborate with someone or is it sometimes solo projects let's dive into your creative world uh, yeah look it's it's both um i used to be much more um i would say anti-social almost with my writing you know okay. i wanted to do it myself and I didn't want anyone to be involved and I was I was probably much more insecure yeah, yeah. about it. Um I mean but this is now like you know when I was starting out like 20 mm-hmm. years ago you know? so but like as I as I started building confidence and you know this goes back to something that I tell because I work with talent now myself I work with singers I work with songwriters I produce I coach to me it's like about building confidence and as I build my own confidence through performing through traveling through meeting people in the business and and really finding who I was and who I am now, you know, and and becoming very becoming friends with me, <laughs> you know, I I it's a big one, you know. People don't realize how important it is, you know. Yeah, to accept- I, I, I giggle because I I completely relate. <laughs> yeah. It it was through that process that took you know years of really hard work of pounding the pavement quite literally, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, like crawling along and sometimes and then sprinting you know and having amazing things happen that were career changing and changing life changing experiences and then over time it just really it got to a place where i was able to sustain myself through music and but yeah collaboration really opened a lot of doors you know and i it, it's really kind of started with an album i made in 2007 called reverie i worked with a producer named stuart lerman and another producer named james frazy and uh, Stuart, Stuart is, is a very well known. I mean, they're both really successful guys now. They like, ever since then, they've both like, you know, won Grammys, and, you know, they're like, mm-hmm. they're great guys and, and fantastic, uh, artists and producers in their own right. But it was that kind of collaboration that where I slowly sort of like started letting down my guard and, and letting other people in and trusting, you know, like developing mm-hmm. trust with, with other writers, with producers, with people in the business. And it's, it's a very, very difficult business. You know, it's hard to trust people in yeah. this business because a lot of people want to take advantage of you. And mm-hmm. it's easy to fall into those traps and you have to be, you have to learn what to avoid, you know? And yeah. I work with with my, with the talent that I work with, you know, I try to make them avoid some of the pitfalls that I didn't. But all in all, you know, I I, I did build very I, slowly, but very independently, 
you know, I kind of avoided this, the whole major label world for a while because it just doesn't, didn't, I just felt like it was just so, just full of cracks and very, not very stable. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's maybe a little bit different now. I think the major label world is, has sort of settled into a very specific system. And then ironically, I did sign with a major. Well, they're actually considered an independent label in South Africa, Gallo. And they're the biggest in South Africa, but they're actually independent. Yeah. Of course, they're now co-owned by, I think, Black Coffee. He owns a stake in them and, uh, and who I just ran into at the airport. And I was on this same flight with him to South Africa, to Johannesburg. So we had oh, a nice wow. little. Because yeah. we know some of the same people, you know, so yeah. it's such a small world and you don't realize it until you're really in it for a while. And, but yeah, like the, the collaborative process to me is, is the most satisfying now. And, but I still write on my own, but okay. uh, my co-writer and I, Alex Forbes, who I wrote most of the songs on Surrender with, yeah, six of the songs on Surrender. Mm. I love working with her. You know, she's like, when I, when I started working with Alex, I, I kind of arrived at a, at a place of, you know what, this is me. Mm-hmm. And if you don't like it, if it doesn't work for you, that's okay. Someone, yeah. it, it'll work for someone else. You mentioned the new album. So tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah. So, you know, Surrender was a really crazy process because we had to get very creative about how we were going to make this record because we started making it during the pandemic. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. We, uh, my producer, my co-producer, Marcus, he's really the producer, you know, I mean, I, I take co-producing credit. But uh, Marcus Dembinski and uh, David Schoenwetter first, you know, David Schoenwetter produced Pilot Light and Love You the Most. And those songs uh, blew up, you know, they blew up on YouTube and we like they've literally garnered millions of views and Love You the Most ended up being a top 40 uh, hit on on radio here in the, in the U.S. So there, there was already a lot of activity from the songs. And and then when I started working with Marcus Dembinski, I, I was like, we have these couple of songs. They were singles, but rather than making more singles, let's make an album. And uh, so how do we do this? Okay, we can't record. We can't meet. So what do we do? Well, we both had home studios. I have one here in, in Queens and he has one. He has his in Manhattan. And uh, so we just started constructing the skeletons of the songs. We programmed the songs in the very beginning. They were all written and ready to go, except for one, except for the last one, even if it takes a lifetime. That was that came at the end because I felt like we needed a closer for the record. And uh, so everything else was there. And we just started constructing the songs, arranging them. Then as we were able to go back into the studio, we added live musicians. So drums, bass, you know, and additional instruments. And like the bass player, for instance, Max Sternlich, he played all his bass parts in the beginning, all um, all remotely. Yeah. And I didn't even meet him. He was in Nashville, Tennessee, Max <laughs> Sternlich. I didn't even meet him until like two months ago. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> we made the entire record, you know, without him ever being in the same room. Yeah, yeah. It's both a testament to to talent and also technology and what yep. we're able to do now versus what we were able to do a few just even a few years ago um so then yeah as we added live instruments we were like this is an album you know we have a record this is this can this is going to work and and uh and then honey rose uh, my my label they 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 said we'll we'll get behind it you know and we'll promote it we'll we'll release it and we'll do vinyl and the whole bit and mm. here we are and, uh, you know, two years later and uh, doing really well so far. So, you know, we're, everyone's pretty happy. That's fantastic. So you mentioned vinyl. Now, I love me personally a CD. I love the aesthetic of holding it, the images, the thank yous for me. It's an energy exchange. It's a journey to know, okay, this month 
I'm budgeting for this CD and that CD, getting it, the excitement, all of that kind of stuff. CDs, albums, or at least vinyls and cassettes are making a comeback. I don't know if you're aware that last year in the UK alone, there were 5.5 million sales of vinyls, the biggest sale since 1990. Cassettes, uh, sorry, CDs a couple of years ago as well, uh, increase of sales since first time in 21 years. So we've got the physical and we've got the digital, the downloading the platforms. What is your perception of each and which do you prefer? Well, I mean, sound-wise, the CD is definitely superior mm-hmm. just because of the technology. You know, that yeah. that is what it is. And you have a much higher sampling rate. And, well, there's no sampling on on vinyl, obviously. But you have a, a you know, a much a broader uh, oral uh, uh, perspective, just as yeah. far as frequencies go, because vinyl is limited to that. But But vinyl has a very interesting quality to it and it's an experience you know it's yeah. much more of a, a sort of psychological experience and mm. it does it's analog you know so it, it's uninterrupted so to speak not that yes. we can know the difference but so yeah and then you have streaming which also is i mean it's recognizable to if you're an audiophile like myself or like you are uh sure you know it, it you notice the difference of course but and it all depends on what you're listening to the media on yeah, you know, so there, there's a lot of there are a lot of variables, you know. So I I think what's interesting is that I, what my hope is is that it, it it's not really so much about the the recorded medium. I think that's always going to play a role, but to me, it's about the in person experience, the live show. Okay, you know, I think that is where the future of music is, and and I also hope that this is that is going to you know we, we're living we're living in a world where people walk around with their phone mm. in front of their face down yeah. walking down the street, looking down, they don't, they don't, people don't make eye contact. They don't yeah. even know what's going on around them. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, they're so uh, uh, hypnotized yes. by, by devices, you know, yeah. and I remember I like, I'm young enough and old enough to remember a time before all this. And I loved, I loved technology and like the advent of the internet was super exciting to me. And, and I love gadgets and devices, but I also feel like we need to connect and we yeah. cannot, shouldn't forget this. And I think right now we're on our way to forgetting. Yeah. And I think this generation, younger people, some of them, not all, yes. you know, are, are very, uh, can be very, very disconnected emotionally. Yeah. Because yeah, they, yeah. They're not used to having the, the contact that, that, uh, that is so essential to, I think developing um, social skills, character, you know. Mm. Um, but I do think there are a lot of younger people that are very turned off by it. Also, yeah. you know, they're like social media. Hell no, I'm not on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you have both of these things going on at the same time, and I'm kind of hoping that we'll go back to a place where, you know, because to me, social media is already dying because now we have to pay for it. In addition to the fact that they're charging advertise or that they're that social media networks are making money from advertisers, yes. now we pay for it too. You know, so yeah, you mean to get higher reach, to get higher views, and all that kind of nonsense. Yeah, so yeah. that's to me is like that's the end. Yeah, that's yeah. the beginning of the end, basically. Yeah. That's basically what cable television is, right? And that's been dying a slow death. The news media, you know, I believe that these, yes, they 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 play roles, but I think they're going to they're there's so much of it now that you're going to get more insulated environments and yeah. they'll be more uh, uh, insulated, literally. Yeah. You yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. So, so, you know, I mean, 
you can't if you're if you're on Twitter, you can't message someone outside of Twitter. If you're on Facebook, you can't message someone outside yeah. of Facebook. If you have an email account, if you have a Yahoo email account, you can send and receive emails to anybody on any email address. Think about that for a second. It's decentralized. Email is still decentralized. Yeah. Uh, social media, most social media is not. Mastodon is decentralized. You know, like what Elon Musk, uh, not not Musk, uh, uh, um, what Elon, I don't even want to talk about that guy. I don't, that guy is like, <laughs> whatever. Yes. Not even going to say anything. But yeah. like Jack, see, who started Twitter, he's, he's developing a new a social media uh, called Blue Sky that is decentralized. So, and I think that that's where we're going to go back to because what's happening now is, you know, you're, you're in a bubble yeah. and, and you have to pay for it. Yeah. No, no <laughs> yeah. I don't think so. I mean, I'm not going to, you know, yeah. I mean, I love this game. My recipients don't always enjoy it because you'll understand why in a moment. Now I know that if I had to ask you this question in two minutes, two days, two weeks, two hours, I know your answer will be different every time, but if you had to push play to five songs by other artists, once we finish this chat, what would those five songs be and by whom? Let's see. Uh, I would go with... Yes. Five, I only have five? Yes, five. That's a lot of fun. I appreciate that. No, I actually like doing this kind of thing. Of course, it, yes, it will change. Yeah. But let's see. Let's see. Let me start with... You know what? I'm not even going to look at anything because there's so many. There's too many options. It's going to just get confusing. Uh, I Feel It Coming, Daft Punk, The Weeknd, Court and Spark, Joni Mitchell... Um, do, 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 do. Hope of Deliverance, Paul McCartney. Two more, two mm-hmm. more. Uh, Australia by The Shins. And Let's Groove by Earth, Wind & Fire. Great selection. So, Jan, the podcast is listened to throughout the world. As a final message to the listening audience, what would you like to say? Um, thank you for listening to podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a wonderful new medium, and I... I I have one myself and I, I really love it. It's called Making Sound. Okay. So after you finish this episode, go to my podcast. It's called Making Sound with Jan Close. Ta da. <laughs> Perfect. So as Jan said, listen to podcasts, promote them, share them. This is Slaves of Mind signing out. Yeah.